Well, hey there, my name's Chris Rivers. I want to thank you for joining us today. And if this is your first time with us, welcome to the Men of Grace podcast. Our goal on the podcast is to help motivate and encourage men to take responsibility for the people and situations that God brings into their lives. Today, I'm with Vernon Rutland and Jim Taylor. It's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about this thing and that thing. So with that said, let's jump into this episode of the Men of Grace podcast. Well, guys, how are we doing today? Good, good. good. How are you doing, Chris? Man, I'm doing good. I'm glad. I'm just getting to know you, Vernon. We've talked for a little bit, so I'm glad that you're here. Um, Jim, you work on our staff. You work in care and recovery. And you've gotten to know Vernon a bit, so I'd love for you to just help navigate this conversation. What are we doing here today? Well, I'm going to ask Vernon about his story. So you've led how many groups for us? I've led two so far. Yeah, two closed groups, and those usually go for about nine to ten months each. Wow. So you're invested. Yes. And uh, actually came through our recovery program. I did. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got a few questions for you. Okay. Yeah, what is recovery? I mean, what what are you when you say recovery, what do you mean by that for people that might not have heard that? Yeah, we are using a curriculum called regeneration. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's a great tool for us at the moment. And it really just follows uh, the traditional 12 steps. Mm-hmm. But the, the 12 steps were originally um, written and created by Christians. Okay. And then kind of what happened over the years, you know, AA uses those, NASA, different recovery mm-hmm. programs. I think as funding from different sources came in over yeah. the years, some of that biblical language has faded and some was intentionally stripped away from the 12 steps. And so what regeneration does is it reintroduces the biblical concepts and the biblical language behind those ideas. Mm -hmm. So it's really just a a toolbox for how do you deal with sin. And and we think about it in three major categories. There's really um, harms to me. Mm -hmm. You know, things, there's sins that people have committed that affect me. There are things that other people have done that, that have hurt me and caused pain and wounds in my own life. There's harms by me which is, you know, sins that I've committed, things that I've done intentionally and even unintentionally that have harmed other people. Mm -hmm. And then the third category is really the brokenness of the world. We live in a fallen world. Um, Sin is is a part of our present reality. There are things that just don't work the way that they're supposed to. You know, God did not design a world. He did not design us to die. Mm. That's a result of the fall. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes we're not really talking about a, a harm to me or harm by me, but we're just dealing with the brokenness of the world. Yeah. And so we have people in recovery um, that come to us. We're really just taking whatever the presenting issue is. It mm-hmm. might be an addiction. It might be a history of abuse. It might be an affair. It might be just, you know, a, a, we experienced a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, and just we're taking those pain <coughs> points in care and recovery, and we are using those pain points as funnels for discipleship. Mm. To say, hey, the gospel has something to say to this. Mm-hmm. The gospel addresses this. There's, there's healing that can be found here. And so um, Vernon came into recovery how many years ago? Four. Four years yes. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I would love for you to share just what brought you to, yeah. uh, to recovery. Well, um, actually, what started it was um, I had an affair, mm-hmm. and um, that was brought to light, um, and I needed some straightening out, really. Yeah. Um, I was in a low point. Um, you know, I was looking at my marriage being destroyed, 
my family being torn apart. And, you know, we, we had been at Grace for about three years prior to that. Um, and so I knew that there was a lot of programs out there. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of pastoral care that was immediate. Um, small group leaders, care group leaders that mm-hmm. immediately, you know, loved on me, um, which was a huge, mm-hmm. just a big relief. Yeah. Um, I wasn't judged. Um, so they immediately just kind of circled the wagons and, you know, what, what can we do to, yeah to help? Um, instead of, I mean, yeah, they definitely can, didn't condone the sin, but you know, they were there to love me and, and, and help me get plugged into the right areas. So let me get this straight. You were coming for about three years, three years before the affair. happened. Yes. Yes. So there were some things happening in your life. You're here. When did you first recognize that you needed to say something? What did that even look like? So there was just a lot of stuff at home that just wasn't right. Um, tension and for me out it was isolation was my big probably my biggest hmm. you know so-called sin i guess you would say that i kept pride um yeah and it just kept just that tension between me and my wife just kept coming up um i wasn't leading my family well i didn't know that terminology of you know leading courageously and hmm. that i learned you know later on through mrt and so really, you weren't. Were you involved in in grace? I was involved in a. In a I was involved in a in a um a small group. Okay. Um, but I wasn't very. It's very surface level. Yeah. Um. So you this happens. Affair happens. I don't know. Tell me how did this actually come about? What it looked like? Did you go to your community group leader? Did you go to Jim? Did you go to recovery? I'm like what happened? No. I it, basically it just got to the point at home where it was just getting. We were you know arguing to the point and um it, I, I basically just came clean yeah um it just got to be so much pressure that i just it, my world was falling apart around me mm. uh, my law enforcement career was kind of on the on the outs and yeah. it just nothing was right um, yeah. i even tried taking on a new career to try to run from that problem and it's like the you know the more i did obviously the further away from god i was getting my world just kept you know, crumbling around me. Was there a particular conversation or teaching or series that we were going through or anything that just, you know, where you were like, man, I I need to move? Well, I had started doing some MRT stuff uh-huh. with um, Merritt Anderson and some other guys that were in my community group. It, it just kind of started. It, well, we started out with a man and his work, um, which really doesn't have anything to do with but I guess it was just some of that terminology yeah. that really started spurring some of that. And, um, again, it just kept falling apart. My, you know, my whole world just kept falling apart around me. Yeah. And so, I'm, I'm a pretty really happy go lucky guy. Yeah. And I was just miserable, mm-hmm. absolutely miserable. So how did you actually get from disclosing that to your wife to recovery? What did that process look like? Mm. Community question. group leader and Merritt Anderson um, pretty much just calling me out on my sin, plain and simple, mm. and telling me that I need to get my butt in gear. And, it, you know, these were the things that, you know, me just basically realizing that I had to, I needed God. 
and this was not going to get, I had, there's nothing I could do in me to fix this. Mm. Um, and then it was, just, I just had to, you know, lay out before God everything that, I mean, I had grew up a Christian, um, born in church, but I just never really had that true dependency on God that I needed. Mm. Did you want to go to recovery? I did not. <laughs> I did not talk to me. Talk to me about what that was like. When, yeah. The first night you walked in the room and go to yeah. first timers, t- just take me back to that moment. Well, you know, walking in to recovery, all you've ever been taught is it's for addicts. You know, I'm not an addict. Yeah, I don't have an alcohol problem. I don't yes. have a drug problem. I didn't even have a porn problem. Right. Yeah. I just, I'm not an addict. And you go in there and you sit down and you know somebody's story and. I don't remember what particular story was that night because I'm just in shell shock and deer in a headlight and you're just sitting there going through the motions. And um, then you go into a room with five or six people and they hand you the sheet of paper and it's just a hundred things you can check. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow. hundred things you could check. What do you mean? The, what do you call the sheet, Jim? 120 um, common struggles. And, common we'll, tr- common and struggles. we'll put that in the show notes for sure. But like what were some of them? Do you remember? Oh, my God. Pride, arrogance. Just anything you had ever ever struggled with, de- codependency. Yeah. Um, I mean, it lists all the major ones. Obviously, porn, addic- uh, alcohol, drugs, all the. But I mean, there is just so. I mean, ambition. Every. I mean, anything. You Approval. Can yes. Yes. Yeah, Fear str- of man. I struggle with those. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you walk in thinking you're gonna check maybe one or two boxes, and you turn it in, and you got like ten or twelve checked, and you're like, man, yeah. I, I think sh- I'm up to about seventy. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> like I am screwed up, Jim. That, that's Jim's <laughs> list. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, it was a little, it was overwhelming. Um, but it was probably the first time that I really saw myself for what I truly was Mm. and broken, just absolutely broken. Mm. And there was nothing I was doing, which I thought I was doing to fix it. Nothing at all. I mean, I was just, and I realized walking out there that night thinking, wow, I am broken. Mm. And there's only one person that can fix all this and it's God. It's, it's not my wife, it's not me, it's not my mom, my dad, a pastor. Mm. You know, those people are great um, vessels and resources, but I've got to, it's got to be God. Yeah. That I've got to turn to and just give it all to him. Okay, that's an interesting point, if I could ask you about mm-hmm. that, because I think a lot of people think they come into to a recovery program, and it might be regen, it might be something else, but they are thinking um, this will fix whatever the problem is mm. in my life, Mm-mm. right? And part of the work we're, I mean, you know this as a closed group leader, mm-hmm. um, part of the work we're having to do is remind people your recovery doesn't happen at Pelham Road on a Tuesday night, no. right? No. Or whatever campus you're at. Um, your recovery, it, and Regen can't heal anybody. Regen can't fix anybody. Right. The 12 steps can't heal anybody. Right. Like all, all we're doing is is giving people a tool that connects them to Jesus. And anybody who gets closer to Jesus gets healthier. Correct. And so I would love yeah, to... Yeah, I'm still a sinner. <laughs> yeah, Are right? you? Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. so surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I would love for you to, to talk a little bit about what did that what did the recovery process look like for you? Yeah, really. I think for me, it, I thought I was going in to fix my sin for the addiction, right? Like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do these 12 steps. My wife's going to love me again, you know, because I've said, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And, but there was so m- many more layers, you know, like peeling that onion back of, 
well, what led me to that affair? What leads me to look at porn or leads me to alcohol or, you know, and it's that pride and the isolation and the, the different sins. And like you have mentioned, the tools in the tool belt, it gives me the tools to know when I'm headed down that road again, mm. what tool to pull out that I didn't have before. So, yeah, the recovery didn't happen on Tuesday night. It didn't happen when I was doing my homework on Wednesday night. It's a daily step of reminding myself, hey, this is something I'm struggling with. I got to pull this tool out, and this is how I can get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you do that for a year. Yeah. Carve out time every, I mean, for the, a bulk of a year. Mm-hmm. Carve out time every day to connect with the Lord. I mean, what happened at the end of that, I mean, by the end of that process, where were things? Well, I would love for you to talk a little bit about what your life looked like. Where were you living? What was your life so like? So my life was in, yeah. I, you know, I went from a, you know, a nice three-bedroom or four-bedroom house, <clears throat> three girls, my wife, two dogs, you know, a yard, the whole the American dream, right? Um, and I got put out, and I had to live with my dad, um, who was a, just a ornery man um, in a 900-square-foot, two-bedroom home with two dogs. Um, Where were you sleeping? On the floor, on a, mm. on a mattress on the floor. Mm. Um, so, so it was a pretty good low, it was, it was a low point for you. It was very low. Yeah. I mean, I had, ne- I mean, I had even my first apartment yeah. wasn't that bad. And did you, were you <laughs> I mean, living like that when you first, when you went to recovery that first day? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, do you think that... Recovery happened about... Four weeks after the the move, the, the, right? Well, at, yeah, and after the the affair became public, public, right? Mm. So, um, which I was put out immediately. And um, what did you see God do? What were some turning points for you mm. in that recovery process? Really, just the dependency part, just really depending on that. I knew that I had to take God off the shelf. Whereas before, I feel like I was just taking them off the shelf for the big things, you know, um, big big ticket items. You know, if you 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 find out your your mom's dying or, you know, work's not going. Just you know what I'm saying, like big tickets. Somebody has cancer, mm-hmm. or you lose a grandmother, and you know, well, let's pray or let's get God off the shelf for the big things. But the everyday, daily, common struggles, I just wasn't depending on God and relying on Him. And using those tools that I, and I would just, so then I started putting up walls and isolating and trying to do things my way, you know, cause I'm a, I'm a man, I'm strong, I'm a fixer. I, I got this. Yeah. So it really, what got me was just that brokenness and dependency that I had to rely on him. Mm. Was there a particular step or a moment that kind of sticks out in your mind where you really saw God work in, in a, in a powerful way? Um, two two times. One, <clears throat> the very beginning of Regen, there's a couple days on the homework where you just have to just sit and reflect. And I remember sitting at my dad's house. No one was there. The TV wasn't on. I was just listening to some music in the background. A chain breaker came on. I heard the song a hundred times. Just never really paid attention to the words. And then just, I've never cried that much in my life. I don't think I've maybe cried twice in my life. Mm. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? Like, this is not normal. You know, do I need to call EMS? Why am I, <laughs> like, I can't turn this off. Um, and I just could not quit crying. And I think that's the first time I really realized, again, 
how just how broken that I was and that mm. I knew I was broken but then that was really I went from just a box checker to now this is the real deal. Yeah. Wow. Um and then probably the the most the, the best part about Regen is inventory. <laughs> <laughs> We're I'm laughing because yeah. you know that's an inside joke. Yeah. But, um well, yeah, it's really why why is it less so funny? Are you not in inventory yet? I mean, I've done it okay. before in another and another, you know, and I I yes, I know what it is. Okay. But is is it is you you laugh because it's hard at it's first. Just, yeah, because it, yeah. I mean, that's just the man, inventory is just tough. Yeah. Cuz you really have to dig deep and it brings out a, a lot of you that you don't want to see. Yeah. What did you learn about yourself after you did inventory? Pride. Yeah. I mean, I was just ate up with pride and mm-hmm. um that just kept coming back around. And I always thought pride was, you know, being pr- like prideful in the, the way of, I don't really know how to describe it, but almost the way that the world sees pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think I was, a, I thought I was a pretty humble guy, you know. I'd give somebody the shirt off my back. I'm not prideful. I don't go around boasting, but that's not even, and my pride was that I just thought that I could do everything my way. Mm. So yeah. it really wasn't pride from you looking at me thinking I'm prideful. It was on the other end of the spectrum of, you know, you were so, self-reliant. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if that's just back from my law enforcement career of having to, you know, just always be held, you know, being held to a higher standard just in general yeah. and having to be the, you know, not the hero, but just having to be strong and, you know, wearing the, the uniform, the badge. I don't know if I just carried some of that over with me and just wouldn't and built the walls over the years. Yeah. But yeah, that whole self-reliance thing. Do you feel so you've you've gone through recovery and now you're leading. So you went through recovery for a year and now you said he's leading a group and he's led and you've led a couple groups. Right. So um, what have you learned about yourself going through it a second time, a third time and now being responsible for helping other men move with these principles? The first thing I learned is when you graduate, you're not through. Like you, like Jim said, you are not fixed. Yeah. You are far from fixed. If 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 anything, you're probably more broken than you were when you started. And I don't, I'm not saying that to be to scare people. Yeah. More aware. Anyway. Oh, exactly. Not necessarily broken, but you're just more aware of what what all is going on yeah. inside. Yeah. And and the so then when you you're able to go through it again as a as a leader, co-leader, and walk along. Now now you're you kind of know where you're at. Sure. And so the second time through, you're able to focus more on some of the things and and go through a, with a group of guys. Yeah. Um, it, it, you just kind of have a different perspective at that point because now you've kind of got all that worked out. So going through it a second time for me just clarified a lot of things. Yeah. And the, the third time was kind of the same thing. It just kept clarifying that I need to die to myself daily. Sure. What did you see God do? What did he redeem for you through that process well for one he redeemed just my marriage as a whole um that it is phenomenal to me that i'm even laying in the bed beside my wife Mm. after what i did Mm. um there is nobody there's no counselor there's no pastor nobody is going to make that happen but god that is all god Mm. and i i know that i give him all the i mean yeah can i thank people here for helping me and praying for me and kicking my butt when I needed it. Sure. But that's God. Yeah. And so for him to be able to heal that and just to give me a new, 
I guess, outlook on life and, and just to know that to have that dependency on him, mm-hmm. just that feeling of just not fear really anymore. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. But well, I, it's a new life. It is. You know, it's it a is. new life. It's a new life in Christ. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what we say when we, or we hear people tell their story, and that's how they kick it off. You know, I'm such and such, and I'm, I've got a new life in Christ. Yeah. And you have, would you say that? Oh, what definitely. It is? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, the, my stress levels are yeah. just so much better. Um, I don't fret about things. I don't, you know, even my fear of man. Yeah. You know, I. You've I, learned how to manage the squeeze. Absolutely. When you get squeezed, you've learned how to manage that. Absolutely. Is that right? Yes. I'd be interested in hearing, I talk to people often, and I had a conversation with someone the other day that has been coming to groundwork. So groundwork is happens if you come to Regen in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or why don't you explain what groundwork is, and then I'll ask the question. So you come to Regen, um, and before you get plugged into a community or a, a closed group. That's right. You, you stay in groundwork five or six weeks and it just kind of helps you you know get some of that stuff out in the open and i mean i'm and decide whether or not you want to be in a close yeah yeah yeah. close group group, yeah well i had been i've been in a a, you know groundwork group for a while and i went to lunch with a guy the other day and he just said hey man i don't know if i need to be in regen and so i shared a couple things but i'd be interested in you speaking to those people that are listening why why do you think they need to be in regen really just because it just prepares you for the brokenness of the world, really. It, it, or that's what it did for me. Mm-hmm. It really showed me how to look at things through a whole different lens. Um, so before, Merritt Anderson always does this thing with his hands, and you know he puts, I'm seeing things through my lens, mm-hmm. and then I had to switch them and see things through God's lens. Mm. And that really helped me see situations, um, predicaments that I'm in, sins that I'm up against, just everything when i put when i switch those lenses and put god it just and regen allowed me to be able to switch those gears and really put god first and and take vernon out of the equation yeah so let's let's um because we're going to cut that because i want to talk about that again i'm gonna ask the question again okay um because i don't it's not necessary that i went to lunch with somebody and blah 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 that's dumb so um <laughs> why is Regen important for people, and you can just repeat what you kind of just said. Like, imagine we're having a. Imagine I just had this conversation. I want to send this episode mm-hmm. to this guy that I just had lunch with. Okay, I want to be like, man, you remember how we had this conversation the other day? Um, man, just listen to this, and you can fight, decide, you know, listen to it, pray about it, and you know. Because he doesn't think that he has any problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the more that we talked, the more he was like, man, I'm pretty arrogant, aren't I? <laughs> you tell me. You're the one who said <laughs> it, you know? Um, but there's a sense that he doesn't feel like he needs to go. And he might not need to go. Mm-hmm. But the more, more that go. we the more that we started talking, the more he was like, hmm. He was ten- he, there was real tension at the table. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to ask you to share with us is, you know, if you were a salesman for Regen, mm-hmm. you know, like w- sell us on it. Like, why has it been helpful to you, and why do you think it's a helpful for other people? So, really, it just changed my whole outlook on why I needed God, um, because I was self reliant, and I just didn't have the tools to really walk my out my Christian faith. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, been a Christian for a long time, 
because um, I grew up in church. I, I, mean, I know I was saved. But Regen really just, for me, it just kind of helped me unpack everything. And then what drawers to put it in. And then how, what tools I needed to use to fix. Mm. Well, I don't, I hate the term fix. But work on those areas of my life that I know I struggle with. And it, it really allowed me to see things through God's eyes versus my eyes. Yeah. Jim, what do you think the benefits of Regen are? Why have you, what have you seen in your own life and life of others? You know, Vernon mentioned a, uh, peeling back the layers of the onion. And I think in my own life, God has, um, well, like you, Vernon, God's been very kind to me, Mm. you know, and I, and I, any stability that I have in my life is not because I've done a good job at anything, right? (laughs) He's just been very, very kind and patient. And it's been my experience. He does not, he has not showed me all my sin at once. Mm. Um, He'll kind of show me one thing that's broken Mm -hmm. or really messed up or out of place. And then I think just something, uh, something like Regen gives me a process to engage that in an intentional way. And to work on that, and then once I, once I start to work on that, it's kind of like he peels back the next layer and goes, "All right, here's the next thing." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, just like um, I was reading in Mark's Gospel this morning about Jesus interacting with some religious uh, people, he calls Levi, he calls Matthew as one of his first disciples, and Matthew invites Jesus to his house for a meal, and it. Mark makes this statement about there's all of these disreputable sinners um, eating. They're all sharing a meal together with Jesus. And the religious leaders see it, and they criticize him. And Jesus goes, hey, healthy people don't need a doctor. Mm. I came for people who are sick. Mm. You know, not for people who think that that, that they're well or think that they're righteous. Mm -hmm. And I just think, man, I would rather be at that table like I would rather I'd rather be eating a meal with Jesus and be with God's broken people than try to manage this mess on my own and look good and try to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's good. no that's just that's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. And so for me part of the beauty, part of what I love about coming to Regen through the week is everybody there knows that they are jacked up. Yeah. That's true. Everybody knows that they are screwed up, and I'm right there with mm-hmm. them, man. Yeah. And we and I have just never been in an environment where I can be a hundred percent known, a hundred percent honest, and a hundred percent loved. Mm-hmm. Amen. And that to me, that's life changing. Yep. And so I would just say, like, whatever your deal is, I mean, and there's a million different reasons, right? Just if you cannot be 100% known and 100% loved, like you, you need to get your tail to recovery because mm-hmm. everybody needs to know what that feels like. Yeah, you talk about managing it, and that's where I got to the point was that I could no longer manage my sin. Mm-hmm. And it, you're right. It, it, that was a tough, my, my world was just falling apart. It'll kill you, man. It will. It's, and, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I just got to the point where I, I was done. And so, but yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. You can be 100% of who you are and not be judged whatsoever. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that word, Jim. That's a good word. And I think another benefit is just biblical community. We Mm -hmm. need to be in community with others and it needs to be grounded in the scriptures, which I have appreciated about regen and that every step is supported by 
God's word. And it's, it's stretching. It's challenging because you look at that through the lens of God's word and there's something different about that. You know, Hebrews talks about how the word of God is living and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates through dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so God's word has a way of helping us see our own depravity, which is what you saw mm-hmm. uh, in the toolbox that we're referencing. It helps us have a structure and rhythm and cadence to um, being consistent with the fact that I am rem- remembering that I need him mm-hmm. and that without him, I am nothing. And, but with him, I am, can do all things, that's right. you know? So that's a good, uh, good word for us. Good time today. I've really enjoyed this. Is there anything else you guys would want to share as we, I, I do want to say one more thing just about the, the, the friendships and the connections that you make mm-hmm. is also been a huge benefit and asset just knowing that that accountability is there yes um and then when you're struggling that you can pick up that phone or you you can you you know that you're going to have to see them guys on a tuesday night and confess yeah and so just kind of having that and and as a man you know i've had friends but i don't have those kind of friends Mm -hmm. so that was a huge thing for me um because i was isolated for so long um, I mean, yeah, I had friends and we'd go over to people's house and that kind of, but yeah. I, you never had that true connection mm-hmm. with people, um, other men, especially, um, you, you kind of think, oh, I'm the only one that's struggling with this. Sure. Right. And sure. then you walk into a region and you're like, okay, maybe there's just 50 other people that are struggling <laughs> with this right. too. So I'm going to be okay. Today. Yeah, I'm going to be okay. Um, yeah. but, and just making that connection, it, it, it's one of them things too, it's life changing. You just can't describe that feeling of sitting next to another man, even though your sins are not the same. Mm-hmm. but just knowing that he's struggling and y'all are doing this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's surreal. The, just the, the way it, you just get that, that comfort yeah. of I'm not alone in this. That's right. So well, I appreciate you sharing that. Jim, anything else you'd want to add? No, that was beautiful. Yeah, that's good. Well, good. Well, thanks guys so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank yeah. you.